Hi, I'm Maddie Hockaday, also known as the Anne of this relationship. And I'm Holly, the Leslie. We love Parks and Rec. We love behind the scenes. And we love each other. This is literally the best Parks and Recreation rewatch show. We're your park pals. There's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too. Hello! <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> and welcome to the first episode of Park Pals. Oh my god, it's happening. Welcome to Park Pals. Whoop, 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 whoop. Well, um, as you heard from the intro, um, I'm Holly. This is the voice of Holly. And Maddie, you want to talk? And this is the voice of Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, before we get started, I wanted to kind of tell you, uh, the audience, a little bit of like why we started this because it's like really exciting. Um, we have not lived together. Okay, well, we used to live together, um, and I'm going to let Maddie tell more of that. But we haven't lived in the same state for such a long time, and we haven't been able to hang out. And so we would record voice memos, and they started really, like, small. And even some of my friends now I do that with, um, and they're all, like, five minutes or six minutes. But Maddie and I would literally go for two hours, sometimes three. I'm not even joking you. Um, and it was the best way to keep in touch uh, because, you know, you're busy. Sometimes you don't have time to ha get on the same Zoom call or same phone call or whatever or Skype or however the fuck you communicate. Um, <laughs> and um, so we would record these voice memos. And one of the things that I loved about it was not only could we keep in touch, but like it really just defined us and like how we react and respond to each other because we literally take notes on each other's voice memos. We respond to like each sentence and then we kind of got to talking and we both are huge Park Pals fans or Park Pals. Oh my gosh, I'm already like saying Park Pals. Um, <laughs> but we're huge <laughs> Parks and Rec fans. And so we were like, I'm pretty positive people would want to listen to this. Could we make it about something that everyone would want to hear? <laughs> And so that is kind of the birth of Park Pals. Um, but I would love for you all to hear Maddie talk about us meeting. So we'll do that really quickly and then we'll dive in. Yes. What better way to uh, spend a podcast is uh, than with your best friend. And that's what Holly and I are. We are mm -hmm. bestest friends in the whole world. Um, literally one of the most special people in my life. And um, it all started um, almost... I want to say almost eight years ago now, but seven is closer. It's crazy, right? Um, we met oh almost eight years ago um, at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Shout out to anybody that was there at the same time or is there now or whatever. Um, but that's where we met. And we, um, we met a little bit through our Christian fellowship. But then um, I think the official time we sat down and the first thing we talked about actually was The Office. I remember that was at a concert that Holly was like basically running she ran everything got the music ready for everyone made sure snacks were all set up made sure all the musicians <laughs> were there like literally boss bitch of berkeley is kind <laughs> of what she was um and i was just one of the musicians in the concert but we saw each other we recognized each other and talked for a little bit and she was like i i have a room opening up and we ended up just moving in together like i think may basically six months later started living mm -hmm. together we only lived together for a year sadly because holly had finished her berkeley journal journey and i was staying staying on for i think two more years after that um but we have kept in touch we have done our best to see each other in person um for seven years now um not living in the same city 
And I think that's pretty remarkable. And I cannot um, get over that you whenever you say that we've only lived together for one year, I like don't believe it in my head. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't compute. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I think the thing is too, like we we did so much together in that year. Mm-hmm. Because like I have all these, you know, Facebook reminds you of the things you did and I'm like, Oh gosh, I don't even remember us doing that. Like, um the one that came up at Christmas time was the um the gingerbread. Oh yeah. House. We made like we went and built yeah, we made, like built gingerbread houses together, but we just had a blast like all the time. It was always a, it was always a time in our apartment, and we mm-hmm. built I think such a strong basis mm-hmm. um, when we were living together that keeping up was not. It doesn't feel like a chore. It mm-hmm. feels like I need to find a way to stay in touch with her. So yeah, um, yeah, we've done our best. I would and it's say it's such a relief too. It's one of those friendships or relationships. I feel like whenever you're with one another, you just are relieved that you don't have to try to do anything, and you mm. can just like be at the same level. And um, we could just fangirl all of, like over each other all day. <laughs> yes, oh, I love it. But yeah. something that we decided was that I was very Leslie-like, and you are very Anne-like, and we both have mm-hmm. possessed qualities of both of those characters. But I felt like that was kind of what um to loop it all back is what kind of also inspired us to do this um which I know there are a lot of um friendships out there that are like okay I'm the Leslie you're the Anne you're the Ben whatever and it's like so dope to just kind of recognize that so I love it yes it's wonderful so this is a podcast about re-watching Parks and Rec loving Parks and Rec and all the people part of it but also recognizing mm-hmm. the amazing friendships in your life and celebrating that as well I think yes Uh, so a little bit about the structure of how the podcast is going to work obviously you'll hear it but firstly we'll talk a bit we'll catch up whatever um but as in the theme song it says there's some parks and some pals and there's also therapy too so we talk about (laughs) bark pals and then we'll have a little moment where we discuss um things that are happening in our lives that's just very therapeutic to talk about um and so I just wanted you all to understand that. Um, also, I am crazy and have the commentary. So I'll be discussing a lot of commentaries um, and back, like, backstage. I was about to say backstage, but I meant behind the scenes. So anyways, um, should we uh, get started? I think we should. <laughs> we are on season one, episode one. Obviously, what other way to start um, mm-hmm. the pilot episode? Yes. Okay. 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 Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. So, <laughs> this was written by Michael Schur and Greg Daniels, exclamation point, if you watch The Office, which, side note, there will be lots of crossover because The Office and Parks and Rec was going on um, at the same time, which I didn't realize. Um, mm-hmm. I was, in my research, I was fine. So, this aired in April of 2009, and it aired the same day as Dream Team uh, in The Office uh, Season 5, which is crazy. So, The Office still had four seasons left because I had always thought that Parks and Rec was after The Office ended. Um, And I don't know why I thought that. I guess I just had that in my head. But I really can't, like, pinpoint, honestly, when I started watching Parks and Rec, which was the crazy part. But um, Greg Daniels left his job uh, at the office as the showrunner there so that he could go do Parks and Rec um, with uh, Mike Schur, who was a writer on The Office. And um, I also knew this, which, side note, this is a huge shout-out to um, The Office and Oral History, which is a Spotify podcast that – Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin on The Office. Uh, You should go check out that podcast immediately if you haven't already. Um, But that is, uh, that's kind of like who is behind this and how we get started on Parks and Rec. Yes, it's perfect. And I believe that's when 
Paul Lieberstein took over as showrunner for The Office when Greg left, correct? Yes. And I'm, I'm the same way as you. I, I, I did know there was some crossover, but I thought that they left for season nine. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know we were as early into this as season five of The Office when they left to do Parks and Rec. Right, yeah. Um, it's so crazy when so you think about... Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, like when you think about Dream Team and um, the Michael Office... Uh, Michael Office. Michael uh, Scott Paper Company, that's kind of like when this all happened, when Parks and Rec started. So it's just nuts. Right. Um, so yeah, I am ready for a summary, Maddie. Yay, let's do it. All right. In this episode, we are introduced to some of the employees of the Parks and Recreation Department of Pawnee, Indiana, plus Mark Brandanowitz. Um, As Leslie takes on a public forum with pride, where we meet Anne, a nurse who wants government to get rid of the pit next to her house. Uh, By the end of the episode, Leslie wins the first battle towards fixing the pit by creating a committee. We see the beginning of the beautiful relationship between Anne and Leslie. P.S. The committee is given due to a favor between Mark and Ron, and uh, find there was a little thing between Leslie and Mark in the past as well. Little background. Ooh! Oh my god, I'm so excited for all of those um, summaries. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so my first note—it's gonna be great. It really is gonna be. Uh, my first note was that this first edit of the pilot was 48 minutes long. So they just shot so much. Um, coming from the office, they had so many ideas to do, like, all the improvisations and take just a bunch of different uh, shots. So um, that's kind of where – I think that's just crazy. 48 minutes, and it got down to, like, what, 22? So they literally had to cut it in half. Well, I wish I wish we could see um, – I wish we could see that, right, see the beginning of that – I do, too. I want them to do what they're doing with The Office, right? So Peacock is pushing hard that The Office is coming to Peacock, right? And they're like, listen, we've got bonus features you've never seen before, all the deleted scenes, all the bloopers, all the thing. Like, they need to do that with Parks and Rec, too, because I don't know if they realize that there there are, like, it's not, I mean, I know The Office is probably bigger, but there's just as many Parks and Rec fans. There's a ton that you should be feeding into that as well. So it'd be cool to see that 48-minute version. (laughs) Yeah, I, I it's it's crazy, too, because um, I think that Peacock understands how fucking huge the office is because they you can tell because they've got season one and two for free, but they've uh, got the right. last seasons. You have to have the uh, subscription for it, which is like they get you because all these streaming services are like, oh, it's only five dollars or five mm-hmm. to ten dollars or whatever. And then it all adds up. But I mean. I don't know. I've heard they've got some other really cool things on there. But um, Parks and Rec is all free, though, unless, um, you know, you decide to go ahead and get the subscription, right. then you'll have it anyway. But, like, you can do the free version for now. For now. Uh, this is just a side comment um, for pushing Peacock. If you are a uh-huh. sports fan, specifically for, like, international sports, I also recommend getting Peacock. Like, the subscription is worth it. Um, we watch oh. all of our um, Premier League soccer games on on peacock and then yeah um also they have uh rugby there too oh my so gosh. if people are into those international sports peacock um their streaming services also have have that as well with the subscription oh that's great that's really good to know i feel like peacock is becoming more of like the i think it's starting kind of like having those um 
uh, what is it with like the main uh, not mainstream like those network is what the word I was looking for like the network channels mm-hmm. having their own streaming services like NBC ABC all that shit so crazy right. okay well yeah. so uh I'm starting now um back into yeah. the show let's um, dive in <laughs> so we start with sweet Leslie Nope. We are introduced to her, the deputy director of the parks department. She's asking a little girl about her enjoyment. She's got her clipboard. She's got her pant skirt, uh, <laughs> pant skirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> Business skirt, suit, yeah. whatever the hell. Um, would you say that you're enjoying yourself and having fun, having a moderate amount of fun and someone enjoying yourself or having no fun and no enjoyment? <laughs> 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 Who wrote this questionnaire? Did she write this? <laughs> Oh, like if we're talking like who, which character wrote this 100%, I think it was Leslie. Right. Like, Like. (laughs) you know, Ron is not doing like taking time out of his day to do this. Right. Yeah. And I don't see Tom doing it. I think it was 100% her. And um, the other thing about this for me being a teacher is this kid is probably in like the third grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't phrase questions like that. (laughs) Yeah. They're (laughs) like, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, it needs to be like a yes or no question or like, what's your favorite part of the park? Mm, <laughs> like, right. Absolutely. It just cracks me up. I know. I love that oh, she man. has this line. So like it's it's setting it up really about like politics not being a boys club anymore. It's a great time to be a woman in politics. So like within the first five minutes, we're already seeing that this is a female driven story uh, and in a male dominated world, which I really like that they're setting that up. I mean, I know that it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. need to be said, but I just think that coming from what they've previously done, they uh, did a good job of kind of explaining like this is Leslie's story and we're like having a badass boss bitch to be <laughs> your um your your lead character. So that was cool. Yeah, and I really like how as we go on in the story, right? It's not like so pushed down your throat that like this is mm-hmm. feminism and like you should be, like, you know, it's not so down your throat that you're like, "All right, this is enough." Yeah. But like absolutely. it's very well done where you're like, "Yes, Leslie, you strong independent woman. Like you get it and you're you're cheering for her the whole time and I think it does do a great job of setting up that we actually have a lot of females in po- in politics in um positions of power all across the nation that mm-hmm. are very successful. Um and you know, I think it kind of just is a really great representation of those women. Right. So, I I love it. I do too. I think that's lovely. Um also, when was the last time you saw a sandbox at the park? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those things have got to be so unsanitary. How many kids have peed in a sandbox that we don't know about? <laughs> well, I think it's funny, too, because she has that line later on of, like, that situation with the cats. I thought that was so funny, too. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. My it God. is literally like a kid litter box. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is so true. I never thought of it like yeah. that, but it totally, totally is. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, and it's funny because I don't really remember the wooden ones that we're seeing kind of in this park. Mm-hmm. We had neighbors that had like a plastic one that was shaped like a turtle. Mm, and oh, so I like, remember those. Yeah, so if it was going to rain, you could put the plastic top on and it was the turtle shell. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? I remember this. I remember this. Yeah. You know, now that I'm talking about it, my dad did have a playhouse, not play. well, yeah, it was technically like a playhouse thing with swing sets and like, or a swing set, uh, and then there was a sandbox like as part of it. I do remember that actually. That's crazy. Yeah, so I think it was like kind of a time thing um, because now when mm-hmm. I go for walks in the park and stuff, I never see like a sandbox. So it's probably unsanitary, especially fucking COVID now. That's not happening. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So you can have your own personal sandbox, but we're not having a community sandbox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Ugh. So you, Leslie's pushing out this drunken fella at the park. He's stuck in the slide. There is a brief commentary moment, which was hilarious that this slide was one of the only one of its kind in LA. Cause so, um, spoiler alert, which you probably mostly all knew, but this was shot in, uh, Los Angeles, Pasadena, uh, Van Nuys. Those are the top two kind of areas that it was shot. But, uh, this slide was like super important evidently, um, because Greg Daniels, the creator drew the sketch of this slide, like of how he wanted the drunk guy to be stuck. And this was one of the only ones that had like that kind of spiral curve thing for him to be stuck in. And apparently all the other slides of its kind were removed from LA parks because they were too steep, which I don't know that it doesn't look too steep, but, (laughs) but I, I don't know. So that's just a fun tidbit. That's crazy. Are people just too protective of their kids now? They're like, that's dangerous. Maybe so. Who knows? That's interesting. Well, I have the um, the drunk person's name. His name is John Daly. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and he does a lot of voice acting. Mm. Um, but he was also in Zoolander 2. I don't know what character because um, nobody hate me, but I've never seen Zoolander or Zoolander 2. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I would not know how to explain this person to you. Yeah. Um, but I think the more um, key... Uh, recognition he has especially being part of a cast with parks and recreation is he was a member of the award-winning new york city um sketch group uh mr ass oh <laughs> right i remember you telling so, me this one time <laughs> yeah mr so, ass. i don't i've never heard of this group but yeah you know i think we know this of greg daniels um and mike Schur, and then obviously with leslie with um amy poehler and her connections to improv um, it makes sense that they're going to be pulling people from improv groups. Absolutely. So. Yeah, they love improvisers. Uh, but you said mm-hmm. he was a voice actor too, right? Like what What all yes. was he in? Or do you know? I don't okay. have that written I down think at I, this moment. I don't know if there was anything big enough. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw that he was in, um, in, in Big Mouth, which is Nick Kroll's show. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. And what's his face? Um Oh my God, Kid George. Thank you. Fuck, I feel awful <laughs> that I forgot. I didn't forget his name, you guys. I promise. Um, well, I did a little bit, but whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, he was in that, which is hilarious because Nick Kroll is actually in Parks and Rec, uh, briefly, and dated Leslie Nope. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Um, but oh, and also, I was, I was like thinking, um, Zoolander two. I remember it being like cool, but like I don't know, it wasn't as good as the first one as many mm. sequels are not but i would highly recommend if you haven't seen zoolander to like see that because it's really funny and stupid and i love it <laughs> <laughs> and lots of like pop culture lines are from that which is really hilarious from big mouth or zoolander uh zoolander okay yes mm. i'll have to watch that my brother's been trying to get me into big mouth too oh my god it's so good maddie it's so 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 good i love it so much huge big mouth fan um the cast in big mouth is gnarly it's so good isn't maya in that too Yes, Maya Rudolph? Rudolph actually won, uh, I think it was an Emmy maybe or a Golden Globe, something for it recently. It was, uh, she does phenomenal work. Um, and Nick Kroll voices like 100,000 characters on that show, which he's amazing. Oh, so he's Seth MacFarlane's it. Yes. Yeah. Like with actually. Family Guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Also, side note, um, 
just th- speaking about um, back to this scene, kind of when we're talking about the whole like Leslie being a, uh, you know, woman in politics, according to Wikipedia. Now, again, you have to take that with a grain of salt. But I believe mm-hmm. this because I think I heard it somewhere else, too, that they did audience research in the first season. And Leslie's character like went under serious changes, which you can kind of see if you are like here, if you're a Parks and Rec fan from the beginning. But like. Um, she gets more grounded, I feel, but like basically audiences saw her as like ditzy and unintelligent. And in my head, I was like, Ugh, that's so annoying. Like, why? I mean, I guess they saw her as ditzy because like, as we'll talk about a little bit later, later, she has this like era, an era, this air of um, like trying to get too much done that maybe it comes off as naive. But I mean, I didn't think it was like unintelligent. No, I don't think it's unintelligent either, but I think people could see it that way. And I don't mean to bring it back to feminism, but it's easier to see that with a woman, right? Like if a woman's like, well, I'm going to get this done and this done and this done. And everybody's like, that's illogical, right? Yeah, thousand percent. Not like, hey, you're you're too ambitious for what's going to actually happen, right? Right. They're not using the word ambitious. They're using the word unintelligent or uh, unintelligent or illogical. So yes, that's that's a great point. Um. The kid pulling her hair. Do you remember this? Um, yes. <laughs> so they okay. So you guys go back to this because maybe I'm crazy, but I'm pretty positive. I I rewinded it, and she's wearing a different outfit. So they must have shot that on a different day because so when they're pulling, when the kid is pulling her hair like through the bars of the playground, she's wearing a different, like very similarly colored, but a different outfit. Unless they were trying to have it be like different days, but I don't think so because then they go to the pool, which is also hilarious because that lifeguard is in the small speedo and she like can't look him in the eyes (laughs) which side note they really pulled out the stops on like locations and extras and like random little co-stars like they had such a I feel like they just went everywhere in this first episode yeah I think they you know with Greg Daniels now being known for doing the office he probably was given a little bit more leeway and a little bit more budget that's true so that's so true um yeah that's so true but the point of that whole stupid story not stupid but that story was that she was wearing the same outfit at the pool so I feel like she would be wearing the same outfit in that whole little montage Mm -hmm. but um but anyway so that's um that's all I got before the theme song (laughs) (laughs) what do you have anything else um no I think I'm I think I'm ready to go on to um awesome the biggest thing I have from the theme song is this little nugget towards the end that says guest starring Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. Which, like, everyone take a moment and try to imagine Parks and Recreation without Andy Dwyer. Like, without Chris Pratt playing Andy Dwyer, I, like, it's so hard for me to picture that. Um, But he was actually only signed on for those first six episodes for the first season to play Anne's boyfriend, and then they were set to break up, and then he'd be gone. Um, I'm really happy by the mm. like the by the performance I think he gave, and I think they realized how good he was at improv. Because if anybody has ever watched bloopers or anything, mm-hmm. or like deleted scenes from Parks and Rec, you can see Chris Pratt doing some of his improvs, and it's just like mm-hmm. this is hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really glad he brought up he brought out the stops like in his first season because then that made it possible for him to continue on in the show but that's just crazy to me I found that in the theme song and I was like holy crap I forgot he was only supposed to be there for the first season 
It's insane. I know. It's insane. Yeah. And I remember seeing a lot of interviews with Greg Daniel or no, 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 Mike Schur, who um, he'd be like, you know, he made me kind of feel bad as a writer because like I spend hours like pouring over these scripts and then this motherfucker just comes in and says one line and like right. tears the house down because he's so <laughs> brilliant at improvising like comedic lines and timings and things right so I thought that was so funny <laughs> yeah yeah definitely like a necessary addition and brings a you know definitely a useful and comedic presence to the cast for sure so mm-hmm. I'm glad they yeah have him. oh my god he adds so much I, I just can't imagine him not being in it like it's impossible yeah oh my gosh yeah I can't um the only other thing I have about the theme song um is at one minute and 40 seconds everyone who has the time and would like to go and go to that exact moment there is a bison yeah 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 like just a random bison and I feel like we've looked this up but I I'm from Illinois like like Uh originally and not originally but that's where I've spent most of my time in the Midwest and I don't see bison in Illinois yeah and that's pretty close to okay They are very similar. Yes, 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 and yes, yes. We did talk about this at some point. I don't remember when it was. But yes, there was a thing where like, okay, I'm not going to look it up right now, but you guys feel free to fact check me a little bit later. Um, but <laughs> yeah, there apparently there were bison. Um, and then they had to, like, they, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was from hunting or like they just migrated. I don't know. For whatever reason, they became not a big thing like there weren't as many of them in the midwest um but then they reintroduced them back into the environment ecosystem and uh so i don't know if they're still there or like in indiana at any point but if you are where i am or like in it um which is in tennessee but it's like an hour and a half outside of Tennessee, there is this uh, lovely camping ground called Land Between the Lakes, and there is a bison retreat, and bison and elk retreat, and it's, uh, th- that's exactly what happened. Like, there used to be bison there in, like, Native American times, um, and then, you know, for whatever reason, they, you know, they weren't there anymore, and then they, they I think they actually, I was reading on the plaques when we were there, uh, that they reintroduced them to the environment, uh, from Canada, like they brought buffalo or something from oh. Canada, and then they started a whole like herd, flock, whatever the plural is of buffalo, <laughs> bison, whatever. I think herd is correct. Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> but anyway, so like <laughs> they were there, um, and then they stopped, and then they came back. But they're very highly regarded as like not just roaming around usually in the Midwest, as far as mm-hmm. I know. Um, if anyone lives out there and just sees them roaming, please let us know. I don't think it's like uh, Montana or Wyoming where like elk and bison are just like around. Um, Everywhere. Yeah, like yeah. this is a specific preserve that you can like pay to go in and like see the animals on their land. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's a, that's yeah. a good point because that is random. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just a little side fact. What do you have about the theme song? Oh my gosh, Maddie, I have so much. Okay. <laughs> First of all, this was written by Gabby Marino uh, and Vincent Jones. I messaged Gabby via uh, Instagram. I don't think I told you that yet. <laughs> oh my god! But I messaged her uh, very recently because um, I wanted to see if I could interview her, but I also wanted to see if I could, I was like, 
kind of pulling out all the options for her. I was like, if you don't want to like be on the show, um, we can like exchange emails or phone numbers or something. And I can just ask you questions and like read off your answers. Like, I don't care. I would also love to have Vincent Jones on here as well with you or whatever, like anything we can do. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but if you haven't heard of her music or her in general, you should definitely go on Spotify immediately after you listen to this podcast, obviously, and look her up because she's phenomenal. Um, basically, um, I did a deep dive on her, but as far as the theme song goes, uh, this is the longer version. I think the whole season one, we have this longer version of the theme song. Um, obviously, they make it shorter um, for time constraint purposes, but... Um, so there's that. And then Gabby. Okay, so Gabby Marino. She is a Guatemalan singer-songwriter. She actually won the John Lennon Songwriting Contest in 2006 for her song Escondido. Um, totally listened to that. Um, it was actually the first song to win in the Latin category, like, ever. And it was her first song written in Spanish. And uh, I was like, at, when I was reading that, I was like, oh, my God, are you freaking kidding me? You just wrote your first song in Spanish. And then it, like, she's obviously written other songs before that, but this was her first Spanish one. And then she just wins. And I was like, cool, dope, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine. Right. Um, but so she uh, has been, like, she's a huge musician as far as, like, her touring um like resume if you will she toured with Ani DeFranco and then when she was 10 years old she opened for Ricky Martin damn yeah I also learned that the um Grammy award like statue is not actually real like they send it to you later like a diploma side note um oh my gosh like via FedEx which is gnarly to think about so the thing that they hand you on stage I think this is the same for Oscars as well uh is not actually what you take home with you you that's like a placeholder and then they record or they like send it to you later I was like what it's crazy is it like plastic do you know I don't think it's plastic um it could be though it very well could be I don't know sometimes people go up there and like oh it's so heavy I'm like Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It does look like it's got some weight to it. They probably yeah. put marbles or something stupid in it. <laughs> it just, I think it would be funny if people did that and it was plastic. Right. <laughs> that would that's crack so me true. Up. Okay. So back to the theme song. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, I'm not sorry because that's all interesting stuff. But yes. <laughs> um, the Parks and Rec series premiere was like really fast approaching and they didn't have a theme song. So the producers of Parks and Rec hired or not hired, but like put out a mass email to BMI, which is um, Broadcast Music Incorporated, which is um, a just look it up. It's a pro um, performance rights organization. Basically, any songwriter or performer who wants to have their songs played in certain things will need to be um, a part of either BMI, ASCAP, um, CSAC, whatever. Um, and so basically they sent a mass email to BMI um, offering $7,500 for the release of the song uh, to the rights to NBC, essentially making it a contest. $7,500 also now that you look at it for how fucking popular this was is not that much. <laughs> no, it's not. But if I'm a songwriter and I see that email mm -hmm. that's like, hey, you could get $7,000 tomorrow. Absolutely. If you give us a good song, I'd be like, yeah. Right, a hundred percent. And apparently, so the thing was that the uh, composers, like after they sent this email, only had they only had five days to send in their submission. So Marine, uh, mm. Gabby had uh, Gabby Marino had a manager at the time who passed along this email, um, and then she got to work, uh, and then she asked Vincent Jones for help, which I'll tell you about him. Um, but basically, what happened was that Gabby actually 
kind of had like she had never really written for a TV show before, which is crazy. It sounds like she's just like, what's this thing? I'll do it. Okay, cool. (laughs) And she like is massively successful. And she said like usually she would have said no to this type of thing but she was just like well I think like you said similarly she was like well you know let's just try it money's in involved like whatever um and if you listen to her style uh like her albums and stuff you can totally see that it was more folksy and more like singer-songwritery as far as like guitar-ish kind of like acoustic-y kind of thing um and so she didn't think that that would really work for this theme song so she then she went to vincent jones and asked him to help her finish it and that's where they got more of this like orchestral cheery situation and vincent jones has written for a lot of stuff too which is why i really want to speak to him i have to reach out to him as well um because i think he made the like she got the bones and the spine Mm -hmm. of it and then he kind of like put the flesh on if that makes sense um right no yeah and so he's from he's from canada uh and (laughs) he is like (laughs) he's really important uh and by important i just mean like he has a lot of experience in um tv and film so he did grapes of wrath uh, or he was in grapes of wrath and he also was in a band called ginger evidently but he's done he scored the show um grownish he's done transparent f is for family and of course our beloved parks and rec theme song um and apparently uh gabby marino said that in the season two rap party like she was invited so she got to go and amy poehler was like super sweet to her so that i thought was a cool little tidbit but But yeah, I just think it's wild that it was, I don't know, I guess I never really put much thought into where theme songs come from, um, apart from like, you know, managers and stuff, I guess, getting, um, which is how this was, you know, uh, how this came to fruition. But I just think it's interesting that like, they only had five days, they were down to crunch time, much like a lot of production is, and they were like, okay, yeah, we got to get this. So it was like almost an award money thing happening. Right. But yeah, and I, I don't think that they like kind of, I don't think they really anticipated this really, you know, winning or anything, but it, lo and behold, it happened. And now it's one of the most recognizable theme songs ever. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. I'm glad they chose this one. I, I think it's it's different from what it, all the other things you hear on TV, and it kind of fits that like lighthearted, um, mm. outdoorsy type. You kind of feel like you're gonna go camping, kind of when you hear it. I feel like. Yeah, really cheeky, fun. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, same. The last thing I have for the opening credits, like theme song moment, is that that cut of Leslie, kind of where she's like shrugging and like furrowing her brow a bit uh is from a Mm -hmm. deleted scene i always wondered where that was from and what scene that was i do that all of the time i actually did that in the friends (laughs) Um, (laughs) i am a huge friends fan as everyone who knows me knows but also you will learn that later but basically there's a uh a scene in the theme song of friends in i can't remember what season it is but like um where Chandler jumps into Joey's arms. And I was like, what the fuck scene is that from? And I looked it up and it was deleted. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> obviously that's where we go with that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So hopefully Gabby, if you're out there or if you, anyone who knows Gabby is out there, please tell her to message me back. Um, I'll give her a bit of time and then I'll email her. And then after that, I'll give it another bit of time. And maybe once the podcast gets going, she'll be into it. But um yeah, that yeah. would be cool to hear from her. So Yeah, I would just love to hear, like, where these melodies came from and, like, what her idea was and then how Vincent Jones, like, wrapped it together. I don't know. I just think it would be so fascinating to learn. Yeah, you guys are hearing our inner music nerds. 
uh, (laughs) how we want to know how it came together both of us being songwriters and working in the recording studio a lot in college I think we kind of just want to know the background behind it Mm -hmm. yeah for sure but anyway okay so that's my deep dive on the um theme song so I'm back in the conference room now yes I am also there and um, I love how literally Leslie is the only person excited. About <laughs> I the know. <laughs> yeah, they're all so person. different, and it's so wild to like see their yeah. growth. I the thing that gets me is I literally have Donna exclamation point question mark What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she looks like, so different. <laughs> like everyone needs to go and just watch that first conference room scene. Her hair is really short, kind mm-hmm. of bobbed. Um, she has glasses. She mm-hmm. looks very like I'm the put together, get everything done the way it's supposed to be done time. Not like the fun loving, only follow my own rules, Donna, that we know and love, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely a change there. Right. And I think that's really interesting. Um, lots of people know this if you're a fan already, but like, um, Donna and Jerry like didn't know if they were going to be full-time cast members yet so that I don't think that they were really showing a lot of their personalities um but like when they when Ron asks like who wants to do the forum with Leslie like Jerry a thousand percent would have said yes to that like in later seasons which is really interesting to watch him like be normal and like not into his job not want to be there yeah 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 exactly because you're right he would totally be on top of that and then Leslie would pretend that she couldn't see him raising his hand to go you know Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. I can picture it all. <laughs> In the commentary, also side note, uh, this is the first time I think that we're actually seeing the conference room uh, and that duck mural is mega famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and Greg Daniels and Michael Schur like really said that, that was one of their most favorite parts about filming the pilot. But I think as a whole um, and Rashida Jones, I think was either she was on the commentary or she told Greg Daniels and Mike sure, but I think she was on the commentary. Um, like she asked how she could recreate it. Like she asked, asked the props department, like, can I please like have a replica or something? Cause I love that so much. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I hope she got one. I know. I hope so too. That's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I have no more comments about the conference room. It's a pretty short and sweet scene to move us on to the public former forum. If you're ready. Yeah, I'm so ready. So I just love that they have three tries to you know to get <laughs> into this place so the first one the doors are locked okay so we, now we got to find a new way in and then they're in the auditorium and the lights go off and it's just like i know third time's a charm they go into a tiny little classroom but that's just so funny to me and um just i think a perfect setup for kind of this i think kind of the success we're gonna we're supposed to see leslie at at this point you know like she's trying mm-hmm. really hard and she's got this energy about it but Mm -hmm. things aren't going to go her way necessarily all the time but she's optimistic right like tom's like i just want to go home now (laughs) right right and i think that it was i think you might have mentioned this too where it's very metaphorical in the sense where like she's up against so many literal locked doors Mm. um and then the lights go out and just like so many obstacles that you know she was trying to control and it just like does not go her way. <laughs> right. Um, and in the script, evidently um, they went from the locked door to the classroom. Like they, as soon as they found out that the door was locked to the auditorium, they just went straight to the classroom. But then they saw that there was an auditorium like that they could get in there. And then they were just like, let's just play with that. That's amazing. Uh, which I think turned out so well because uh, also side note, if anyone's interested in location, you know, 
background moments, behind the scenes moments, which I definitely am. This is filmed at Walter Reed Middle School in the Valley in California. So if anyone lives near there or wants to take a little drive um, near there, you know, that is where they film this. It really reminded me of that scene in Mean Girls, like at the mathlete competition when... (laughs) He's like, yes. <laughs> when he's like, oh, great turnout. And then he turns around. It's like five people in the audience, yes. which is exactly what happens in, <laughs> in this one. I think this kind of just perfectly dropped into their laps, right? Because now you're also getting to show like not not only is it a second hurdle that Leslie's going to have to jump, but it's also demonstrating how few people show up to these things. Because I think it's right in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so smushed because it's small. Right. But in the in the atrium or in the auditorium, you're able to see, okay, there's like 20 people actually there, like not enough people show up for the auditorium, you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, totally, totally changes the game. Mm -hmm, For sure. I also this is something I did. I like reround like four or five times. Because I was like, the first time I watched her, I was like, I don't know if Anne's actually in there. <laughs> but she is. She's in the very front row. Yeah, so well, you can, her. you have to look and see, like, because she's, you can't see her really, I feel, when the lights are on. But when the lights are off, they do like a little zoom in moment on her. But yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's there. Right. That's That was a good catch. Right. That is a good moment. Um, also, mm-hmm. fun fact that I think we will be doing in this um, in this podcast is our favorite line of the episode. Oh, yeah. Best line of the mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, um, yeah, so this is the one that almost won for me. When Leslie says. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I think I know what it is. is I'm okay, so ready. Is it, oh my God. Is okay. it, it's not your favorite <laughs> line, right? I'm not stealing your favorite line. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But okay. I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> It's when she's very optimistic. She's talking out and she has this talking head and she goes, I think of it more as people caring loudly at me. <laughs> yes. I love that line. When people are yelling at her, that is so funny. Ugh, such a great that line. Is, that is how I want to live everything is just thinking that people are caring loudly at mm-hmm. me. What a positive <laughs> spin on that. <laughs> I know. It's beautiful and I want to take it with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. We should. We definitely should. <laughs> I do have some behind the scenes on the cast uh, guest stars in this uh, classroom, if you're ready. Yes. Okay. So the first dude um, who says that he got out of jail or whatever the hell, his name is Loudon Wainwright, and he's actually a famous singer-songwriter. So uh, go take a listen to him. And he also, this is like one of those things where I feel like I'm a walking IMDb sometimes because I, and I'm just so fascinated by like how people are connected and how casts are connected. But basically he was the dad in Elizabethtown to Mark Brandanowitz who played in Elizabethtown. So I thought that was really fascinating that they were both in the same uh, film together. And Elizabethtown, I believe, was a couple years prior to Parks and Rec starting. Um, But, yeah, they play father and son, which is hilarious and wonderful. And the guy who uh, gets bleeped out, (laughs) which, by the way, you can totally tell what he's saying. Like, yeah, I I don't want to be walking my three-year-old in the park. Yeah, totally. But fun fact, Ian Roberts is this guy's name, the one that is bleeped out. And he actually is one of the uh, founding original members of UCB, which is the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, And he, I believe he has a show, or he had a show on Comedy Central. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's really amazing because... uh, 
all four of the people, well, including including uh, Amy Poehler, are on this show. And I'm not going to tell you who, um, but they all make guest appearances, if not more than once. Um, also, also, this is, okay, so I was watching the deleted scenes, and it is insane. So <laughs> <laughs> there is this whole scene. Let me see if I can kind of get it right for you to make it comedic. And But, like, they cut it out, and I see why they cut it out. Basically, Ian Roberts um, has this scene about this crime, and he's like, oh, my gosh, there's a crime that's been happening. You have to help me. And Leslie, like, yes. Leslie is saying, yes, like, I'll help you. Oh, my gosh. Like, if it's a crime, of course. Um, and he keeps going on and on and on, like, saying, no, you have to help me. Like, are you sure? Do you promise that? Do you m- make this promise? And it was like, it goes on for minutes, Maddie. Like, it's insane. And then finally, uh, after she agrees 1,000 times, like, yes, I'll help you with this crime, there's, like, a pause, and he goes, it's abortion. And it's, like... Oh, my gosh. He, so he, I don't even know, like, what the fucking crime would be, but I think he was just, like, talking about abortion as right. a whole, and so he basically traps her, and, like, then he pulls out a tape recorder, and he's, like, I got you on tape, like, saying that you'd agree to fight it. Oh and uh, it's just, like, this whole thing. And so they cut that out, and I'm, like, I, I think that would have been very yeah. crazy to do in the first episode when you're just Agreed. meeting your audience. <laughs> but Agreed. I feel like I know why oh that was taken God, out. Oh, my God, though. Yes. After that pause, though, like before he says abortion or after he says abortion, I was like, my jaw just like dropped because it was so out of nowhere. Yeah. And kind of a little out of line, I think, probably for what we know Parks and Rec to be now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. Like, I I, I mean, I feel like they could have gotten away with that joke maybe a little bit like later seasons. But I just feel like this one was I think that this one you can tell within the first couple minutes that I think that this season or this uh, series is going to be a little easier to swallow than The Office. Whereas the first season, and even like in the later seasons of The Office, it's just like sometimes it's so jarring and out of nowhere, mm. which obviously makes it funny and everyone loves it. But like you've come to expect that from The Office. But with this new show, I think you're just like, okay, wait, we have to kind of like ease them into the water, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I definitely don't think they're as racy in Parks and Rec as they are in The Office. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The last thing or one of the last things I have to say about this is the um, the background posters. Mm-hmm. So it is a middle school. Um, and I thought that it was a like a word problem situation because there's a lot of math all over the place. And it says some total increase greater than and then decreased by how many left. Maddie, I think because you and I have talked about this briefly. I think it's um, categories. It's not a word problem. I think it's a category of, like, this is what, like, addition is. Sum, total, increase, greater than. And this is what subtraction is. Decreased by how many is left. Like, I was (laughs) losing my fucking mind going over, like, I am college educated. I I understand I'm not good at math. But, like, this cannot, like, why can't, and you're a teacher. Like, why can't we fucking get this, like, (laughs) Um, word problem and then I was like I had to take a break from it and then when I came back and reread them I was like oh my god it's like trying to teach kids how like to say addition and subtraction a little bit less like in a word problem if that makes sense right oh my god okay. so you guys that makes so much more sense now. <laughs> no one else probably has seen that or cared about that at all but I was so yeah. fixated on it this is for us everyone right oh you'll see it now though make sure of that mm-hmm 
Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I have it four minutes and ten seconds. We are officially meeting Anne. This is when she stands up Yay! and introduces herself. Oh, my God. I love that. We have the same thing. I wrote, Anne Parkins, we meet her! Exclamation point. <laughs> yes. And I love, I love Anne's hair here. Like, and I think Me she too. looks good with the short hair, too. But, like, I, like, I'm just connected to her and this haircut. I think she's got it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's beautiful. So, yeah. I like that. Um, I also was like, she's explaining her situation, right? Like, and she's like, well, I support mm-hmm. my boyfriend because he's a musician. I'm like, was that necessary? Or is that like her subconsciously like bothered by it? You know? Totally. No, this time when I was watching that, I was like, that is so out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Because like, if I have a problem, I'm not going to tell everybody what my boyfriend does for a living, you know, unless right, I'm bothered. Right, but I think that you're right. Yeah. Where it's like subconscious and it just kind of comes out and then she's like, uh, I mean, anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, the other thing I love here when she's um, when she's explaining everything that's going on is she says, well, you know, this pit has been here for a year. And Leslie goes, yes, 12 months. Go on. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like she's saying something right, profound. Like, girl, <laughs> that did not require any response from you. That's so <laughs> oh, funny. Um, the other thing I have here is at five minutes, if you look at five minutes, Anne is holding what seems to be a newspaper clipping. Or maybe even a note card. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't mm-hmm. there before. So if you look at her talking about like Andy and what he does for a living and whatnot. And then you go to five minutes. Like it's different. She doesn't have the newspaper before and she has it oh, now. Yeah. But I didn't know if you had any like deleted scenes that showed what what possibly that could have been. No. Uh, I think that honestly just comes down to like maybe a continuity or editing error. Um, no, there was no deleted scene where she like puts it down or reads it or anything like that. Right. Okay. Weird. Well, maybe we'll that find something the, out later. Well, yeah, no, it had to have been a deleted scene though, um, because that is in like the intro. You know what I mean? The theme yeah, song. Y- you're like right. she's pointing at the little newspaper. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, hmm. interesting. Weird. Yeah, the next thing I have is Tom's grossness emerges. Oh my god! Hashtag sleazeball. <laughs> sleazeball Tom yes. alert. We're gonna have a lot of sleazeball Tom alerts. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I think we should track Tom's sleaziness. Absolutely. Oh my god. Because I think it's always there, but it's like bad in this first season. <laughs> it's yeah. like I feel like it's, it's bad. so bad. It's so bad, especially like. It just ups the ante when he keeps repeating that he's married. And you're like, that doesn't yeah. make it better. <laughs> well, and and right now when he's like, you know, being fresh with Anne, mm-hmm. he's like, and I don't know who made this decision, if it was Aziz Ansari or if it was Greg Daniels, but he, like, he's very obvious about his wedding ring in the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like right? pointing like, to it like, no, he, I'm, I'm married. I've got the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. And he's talking a lot with his left hand so that it's visible, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But it's like, you're like, what are you doing? Yes. Is it like, and I, was it on purpose or like, was that just on accident and it fits perfectly for what's going on? You know. Right. OK, so I do have um, a little answer kind of for you. So in the commentary, uh, first of all. As you can tell, and I should have like an improv sting or something for this, but I feel like that might get like <laughs> so overused because it's such improv here in this show. But basically, this whole thing was largely improvised by um, Aziz. So they kind of like gave him okay. the starting point and the ending point, and they were like, however you get there, you get there. So basically, what they wanted was for Aziz Ansari, who plays Tom, to get to the part where she where he asks uh, her to go away with him. <laughs> <laughs> this is up for the weekend or whatever. Like we can just go, it's amazing. Talk about it. Um, 
So he kind of like keeps on increasing the stakes and she keeps being like, oh, what? Um, And so he gets there by any means possible. But the thing that I think is so hilarious is that Anne or not Anne, uh, Leslie's reactions to him are just so like pure and genuine and she's like yeah oh wow you do have a lot of experience with women and okay okay wow you you're just like trying to connect with this citizen (laughs) it's so funny yeah oh oh leslie sweet sweet leslie leslie um this is my first spotting of uh the necklace that leslie wears with like the scales i don't know if you saw like the law symbol she, oh, she right, it makes right. appearances mm-hmm. later on as well, um, but I that's really random. I just had that in my notes, and I wanted to see if anyone else caught it. <laughs> <laughs> I know we do see it later for sure, so it's a good, good mention. At the end of Anne going off on Leslie, basically the room applause like there's the room is full of applause. Mm-hmm. People are like, "Yes, stick it to the man!" Like, let's get something done. I'm interested to know if Leslie would have committed so largely to helping if there wasn't applause. Mm. Because I think she I think she works really hard for that approval of her her community and the people of Pawnee, right? She works very hard for them. So looking for that approval and that mm. like acknowledgement I think is really huge for her. So I'm I was just wondering, like, I wonder if her character would have taken such a big commitment to the pit if people hadn't been in such like support for it yeah that's a really good question yeah I thought they were applauding a lot at Anne I feel like when she said she wasn't a fan of politics and like when she said you need to do something about it yeah that's a good point though maybe she wouldn't have like this probably was like she was like a rock star at this point you know uh Leslie was where you know she heard the applause and was like okay let's go with it you know this is something obviously all these people care about I think is kind of what she's reading into yeah I agree Amy had this idea that the character of Leslie would be an overpromiser. So I think that's her kind of M.O. Um, I think this is a thing like a lot of actors do. And even like I've heard this as a songwriting technique, too, where like you have kind of a sentence that's like your home base, where like if anything in the song, like if you get off track, like does the song come back to that base sentence of like what this is about or um, does this like if the character gets off track and like you don't know where to go with it like what is the um, kind of thesis underlying statement for her and um, Amy Poehler really had that um, of her being an overpromiser like be such an overarching thing uh, or underlying not overarching underlying I don't know whatever you get what I'm saying (laughs) like that was her that was her thing her personality so I think that that was really interesting Mm -hmm. where you can kind of tell that Leslie's just like kind of talking out of her ass she's never thought about putting a park anywhere I mean she has thought about it but like she was not intending to go into that forum like making a park happen so this was her being an overpromiser being like yeah we can totally do that we'll fix it we done it I will make a list and we'll do it okay bye (laughs) you know Right. <laughs> and I think that this is my favorite line coming up. Do it. And I think that everybody will agree with either of our choices. Oh, side note. Did we even talk about, did we like explain this? So basically what will happen, audience, is that we're going to post um, both of Matt, like Maddie's choice and my choice of favorite lines. And then you'll vote and we'll see who we want also do you follow parks and recreation on like instagram or any social medias 
I don't, but I should. Oh my god, you totally should because they do very, very similar things, Maddie. So they have um this game that they've been doing on their stories where they're like, guess who said this line? And it gives you an option of like which character or multiple choice oh, or whatever. Nice. Um, it's really fun to see like your trivia. But anyway, okay, so back to my line. She says it will do a park. She says it will fill it in, and Anne's like. Is that a promise? And uh, Amy or Leslie says, it's more than a promise. It's a pinky promise. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good line. It's so it's just like such a good way to turn it on its head, because I think a lot of us or at least for me, when I I remember when I was first watching this or even just like being refreshed into it, um, watching it again, like, you know, that line of like, it's more than a promise. It's or it's not a promise. It's a threat or like Mm -hmm. or it's not a threat. It's a prompt. Like that's kind of like where I thought this was going. But this is just like so sweet. And again, pure and genuine that I just think it's such a nice like switch Mm -hmm. i love it it's setting us up for that friendship too right Mm. because that's what you do with your best friends like i pinky promise you yeah absolutely also i don't know if you um heard this but the sound of the fluorescent lights you guys go back and listen to it like even without headphones like i watched it a couple times some with headphones obviously you can hear it but like you can really like hear the fluorescent lights in that classroom and i think it's like so indicative of like a like a government or school building it's just it was funny to me mm-hmm. i thought that that de- i'm I, i'm sure they didn't mean to but that detail was really funny yeah it probably just happened on accident but it's perfect yeah absolutely well, i'm i'm ready to go back to city hall unless you have anything else about the form there's only one thing that i've left which is a deleted scene i think it's really funny after the public forum Anne has this talking head where she says i don't know she seems like she's gonna help but she also seems like kind of a boob <laughs> And then she has this extra line where she says, for some reason, I picture her wearing pantyhose to the beach. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. What a visual. What a visual. What a visual. And I just feel like it's so accurate at yeah. that point. Like, from what we know of Leslie, like, that would be, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. That's amazing. I love it. And then there's this other deleted scene that Tom has back at the office after the public forum. Um, he, Oh, my God, which shows even more of how much of a skis he is. Basically, he has this talking head where he says, you know, the forum went great. It was this, like, usual amount of weirdos. But the nurse had some really good points. And she was, like, really interesting. And she was hot. She was hot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, like, you, <laughs> like, you think he's going to say something nice. Right. And his this. Uh, and then he just goes off on his Tom skeeziness. But course he does anyways but I'm back at the courtyard now or the office yes so I've never listened to the conversation that Tom is having on the phone at the office until this like these times I was watching and you hear him kind of explaining that he wants this suit but because he works for the government he can't take it but this person can give it to his wife and if it doesn't fit her then he can have it and you're just Mm -hmm. like that's I don't know. Corrupt. Yeah. And I think this is like the sad thing I'm realizing as an as an adult, Um, especially as someone who live like grew up overseas. So I didn't really start getting exposed to our politics here until I was like 19, 20. Um, But like you, you always just envision as a kid, I feel like, all right, the government's the government's going to handle everything. Right. And you learn as you grow up. Mm. And this is a really good example of it. Like, No, like everybody, not everybody, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of people in the government are there for the betterment of themselves and what can they get out of Mm -hmm. it. And I think that's just one of the sad things you start to learn as you get older. Mm -hmm. 
is you realize that that's actually the case a lot more than it's not. And um, I think, so I think Parks and Rec does this several times, right? Where they kind of outline that as a problem with Tom. Um, you know, we get it, we're going to get it here in a minute too with, with um, Mark and Ron. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think they just do a nice job of, you know, subtly putting it in there so that you're reminded that not everybody is a Leslie Nope, but that we want everybody in our government to be a Leslie Nope, you know? Yeah. And I think they do a good job of getting both sides of the story, which I think is why it's so relatable, because mm -hmm. we've got Anne, the citizen, who is just trying to be less dangerous or have something like in her like I, she didn't even want it to be a park I think like she just wanted it to have it filled in and then you've got Leslie who again like you said there's not not every person in government is a Leslie but like Leslie and a lot of people in government who are, are overshadowed because they are trying to do something good and for the better of the community or for you know their world um, essentially but like they're so you know roadblocked with all this red mm -hmm. tape so it's like you know, I like seeing both sides of that. Yeah, you're totally right. They do a really great job of doing that as well. Mm -hmm. Also, um, I'm so sorry, but I have to mention the pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Mention well, okay, the pigeons. So first, I do want to get back to Tom. I'm so sorry. Um, but this is like before we get to Tom. So I just wanted to like let you know. Number one, Leslie's office courtyard is a soundstage, y'all. Like, hello so they had the ability to make it rain and the pigeons were everywhere but like this is not out this is not at the um the city hall that you are thinking of but basically you can hear cooing of the pigeons in some scenes where the pigeons aren't because of like editing from like the audio to the video so we will be tracking the pigeons because i don't know why i'm so like crazily obsessed with this because i'm wondering if some of them are real some aren't moving some are i'm just like really like interested in it I just like can't handle it so um but I do think it's wild that the courtyard is a soundstage that they can put these pigeons on and make it rain and do all that other stuff so <laughs> love okay. it I'm done <laughs> with yes. the pigeons anyway <laughs> I can't remember the exact situation that's happening here but Tom is writing things down mm -hmm. right that Leslie's saying I think she's probably getting ready to like pitch having a committee for the park Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she like the committees are the lifeblood yes, or whatever. The committees are our lifeblood of our democracy. And Tommy, Tom, Tom mm. like repeats back committees cover our democracy with blood. <laughs> right. So there's that. <laughs> um, I know there was like a brief moment when I was kind of mad at Tom for like not recording Leslie sings because she wants him to write down her quotes randomly. Right. And I get that that's annoying. But like, I don't know when I saw the scribbles instead of her quotes, I was like, Tom, you bitch. She was like saying something really wise and profound. Uh. I know. <laughs> I totally agree. And I saw a lot of crossover with um, the office here. Right. Because Michael does the same thing with Pam. Michael asks Pam <laughs> so to true. write down things like that he says. And but the, the difference is. Pam doesn't always write them down and you're like that's fair because like Michael's not yeah. actually yeah. saying anything typically but like here you're like <laughs> right. hey like she could be president someday or like her stuff is actually really meaningful you need to be writing it down you know so it's just very interesting to have right. it, like you know to experience it both ways um there is this really funny talking head that Leslie has as well um because kind of going in with the com committee like she's starting the committee or whatever and like she has this really lovely talking head about how all these women make cracks in the glass ceiling and like she's listing off all these wonderful women and like she's the third person that she lists out of all these amazing women 
<laughs> and then so she's like realizing, oh, I should mention more people. And so she keeps listing off these other random mm. people like Janet Jackson and mothers. And then she lists. Oh, and then she says Beyonce last. It's so funny. I really wish that they would put in, like you said, the deleted scenes so that people can see these things or you can just buy the DVDs. But um, and speaking of women, I thought it was funny because I like looking at the background behind her desk. Right. And she has all these books behind her. Um, she's got Eisenhower, Nixon, John Adams, uh, Lincoln's men, all these like men, um, which is not a bad thing at all, um, because these are very like, you know, obviously historical figures that she looks up to. But she has this book that I can't quite make out, but it says something like amazing women or something. I was like, oh, there it is. Okay, it's like there's her women picture and they go into Tom's backstory. So I can't remember now that do you remember if she says something about like. We have a woman, then we've got whatever Tom is or something. They She mentions, oh like, that I can't. That sounds so familiar, but I can't place it. She says, she says something where, I'm sorry I'm blanking on it now, but basically she says something about, like, how, you know, we have diversity in, in, in government now. And they do this, um, <laughs> he, he has that talking head where he says, like, I'm what you might call a redneck because he's from <laughs> South Carolina. Um right. And there's this, like, backstory in, I believe it's in the deleted scenes, where um, Tom changed his name. His name was Darwesh Navaid Navaid Ghani, is what they say in the deleted scene. But he changed it because dark people, quote-unquote, with Muslim names don't make it far in politics. And then he's saying, like, okay, fine, Barack Obama. That was one counterexample. Right. It's <laughs> amazing. I thought that was really funny. Um, did you know that he started out as a stand-up? Aziz, yeah. Yeah, I did not know and, that. And he actually is from South Carolina, correct? Yes, yes, yes. This is one of those things where they brought in this show for sure. They brought in a lot of extra like stuff from their personal lives into the show. So, yes, he right. is from South Carolina. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I did know he started he started there. But I don't think he had any like Netflix specials yeah. or anything until after Parks and Rec happened. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll talk a little bit later in another episode about... Um, how because I don't want to get into it at this moment because it's a long fucking story but <laughs> but like <laughs> about some other improv and sketch that he did yeah but I was also going to ask um did you see the giant seal of Pawnee in the back yes oh my god um also side note I got Maddie this mug for Christmas that has the um Pawnee seal and it's like fucking it's hilarious great. I love it <laughs> I've used it so many times already. uh, And I also have this lovely mug also. uh, Or no, no. Well, it was a mug. The first one was a mug, but the other one um, was a wine thing that says best wife ever because we always talk about (laughs) how we're basically each other's wives. um, Yes. Much like Ann and Leslie. Um, Yes. Accurate. (laughs) So this seal, you guys will post this, but um, you should definitely take a look if you haven't seen it already. The Indiana seal is super similar to the Pawnee seal. So obviously the Indiana one is, you know, legit and has been used for some time um but mike sure is the one that drew the pawnee one and it's more of a it's definitely a parody of the um indiana one and it has a buffalo like it has a native american or something like killing a buffalo or something um but he's very very proud of it like mike sure in the commentary made sure to tell everyone like mm-hmm. i am really proud of myself for making this <laughs> that was was the commentary done during like right after the first season um i think yeah i think it was yeah Okay, so they don't know much that happens outside of what they're talking about right now. Right, right. Yeah, like in one of the episodes, they were talking about April's character and how I think it was Greg Daniels who was like, you know, I really hope we get to see more of her. And um, they didn't know that she was going to have such a huge role in this. Mm. So, you know, 
Yeah. Another big call but. with April. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I like that Leslie talks to the camera more in this in this uh, pilot. I feel like she's trying to like get the camera crew to um, understand like what what she's doing and how how this like office runs and everything. That was really interesting. She kind of veers away from that later. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's helpful for sure. I like I like that as well. We meet Mark. Yes, Brandana quits. <laughs> yes, oh, it's probably one of my favorite lines written for the, written for this entire show. So I have good to say, um, but. He's like the exact opposite of Leslie and sometimes in an annoying way, but sometimes in a way where you're like, this is really helpful for them to work together because they balance each other out, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's optimistic and he's kind of like, you're not going to get that done. Right. Um, but I love this confidence. Like, I think we're really introduced to this confidence that Leslie has throughout this episode where she's like, I can do this. Like, she says that to Mark, I can do this. And I just love that. Mm-hmm. That she has that confidence. Um, and she says, for old time's sakes. And oh, get kind my of God. An introduction to the fact that they were uh, together at some point. Yes. Yeah. I um, Speaking to your point about the I can do this thing, I love that she says, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to need some help. I think that's a really important and uh, vital line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that was, oh my God, I was so mad at Tom for, or not Tom, sorry, uh, Mark for a brief moment for not remembering that he slept with her. I was like, you bitch, yeah. how do you not remember sleeping with Leslie? Fucking nope. Yeah, that's messed up to me. <laughs> yeah. But I get it at the same time, like obviously character wise, like I think the audience is kind of supposed to react that way maybe. Because <laughs> obviously it wasn't that important. It was one night five years ago and she's acting like it was literally yesterday or something, you know? Exactly. I agree. Well, I think the dynamic is important, right? You're supposed to be pissed at Mark for not remembering. But right. it's important for him to not remember so we realize how little of a deal it is mm-hmm. with Leslie making such a big deal out of it. I think it, you know, it plays off itself very well. Totally. If you wanted a bit also of layout behind the scenes trivia. Uh, so this courtyard um, moment, the camera is in Mark's office. So the camera's in Mark's office. They're in the courtyard. And, um, and then the point of that was so that Leslie can kind of watch Mark across the way. Like, she can look from her window into his office uh, and vice versa. Um, a lot of times she'll be like, you know, you'll see her kind of, like, lusting after him or whatever. Um, but I thought that was really interesting because I've always wondered, they do really good shots of, like, not being in front of the actors where they're, like, you know, behind a window or something like that. You know, g- really getting that documentary feel. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Also a great bit of trivia that the pit originally was supposed to be a condo, but then the developer went bankrupt. I don't think that I've ever clocked that before. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, a detail I think I probably recognized in passing, but didn't like, you know, really keep it in my brain because it felt like new information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have a brief uh, like picture behind Leslie's desk, which goes with the earlier Tom scene that we saw. So at first I could not figure out who this picture was of, but we've got a picture of a basketball player and it's written, they spelled Leslie wrong, mm-hmm. uh, and that was on purpose. So basically... Um, it was a deleted scene that Tom has lunch with Larry Bird every month, which is like lying. <laughs> I think it was like when he was talking or quote unquote talking to the mayor, but he wasn't really talking to the mayor. Um, and so he kind of writes this for her saying like, you know, Leslie, this like Larry Bird gave this to you kind of thing. So she, and then she framed it, like, right. <laughs> which I think is the funniest part. Poor Leslie. 
Which, by the way, um, side note, Larry Bird is featured very prominently in, I think I mentioned this, um, or I've talked to you about it before, but uh, Larry Bird is featured in The Last Dance, that uh, Michael Jordan documentary oh, nice. on Netflix, which you guys, you have to watch it, even if you're not a sports fan, which I'm, I don't really follow it, but I think it's so interesting. Um, but yeah, he started out with um, Indiana, right? And I think then he's from he Indiana. Went to the Boston Celtics. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he coached. Yeah, and I think I personally, and this could be just because I'm a b- big Boston sports fan since we lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think he's more prominently known as a Boston Celtic. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's true. Apparently, one of his nicknames is the Hick from French Lick. <laughs> I'm so sorry to laugh at that because I'm sure if you're a sports fan, like that makes sense to you. But French Lick is a place in Indiana. And uh, so like he's he's also nicknamed Larry Legend. Like his Wikipedia picture is also so weird looking. I mean, I have mad respect for the man, but I just uh, like his he doesn't have a face where you'd be like, it's just shocking, I think. Mm. <laughs> but so I'm sorry, but I, I, his talent is re- much yeah. respected. Mad respect. Sorry. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, he's he's in a Boston Celtic jersey in that photo. Oh, Correct. is he? I didn't even notice. I don't. I think it's a green jersey that he's in. That or is white fucking with green. hilarious. Yeah, because I don't think it's Pacers. The Pacers are not that color. Okay, to which my, would make it even knowledge. more funny and stupid that Tom would give her that. Right. Oh my god, and she still thinks it's like real. <laughs> right. It's oh my god, I love it. I love it. Um, the last thing I have about this uh, kind of moment is that the um, the scene when uh, Mark doesn't remember sleeping with um, Leslie, that talking head, I thought it was really interesting. In the commentary, they mentioned this documentary called The Five Obstructions, and they um, they it talks about using two angles for the talking heads. So also we've been saying that term talking heads and most of you know what that means, but basically it's where the actor is talking like directly to the camera or talking to someone who is just behind camera, like as if it's an interview. Uh, And so they used these um, kind of angles, the two angles for two purposes. One, it gives them the, which is the main reason really, uh, it gives them the ability to edit the talking heads Mm -hmm. and close-ups and kind of make it different from, the office is really what they said because <laughs> the office they're really speaking directly to camera mm-hmm. um but it also really helps them to edit right um yeah so that i i don't have anything else in the office too my next note is at um Anne's house yeah okay same here the last thing the first thing i'll say is that you see that shot of the pit and there's like a flying tissue or something across the screen mm-hmm. or bag or something apparently that was the initial shot of the pilot like they were going to have a talking oh. head of of um like that was going to be like the first scene that they um had in this in the pilot and they had a talking head of Ann and Andy and like they're talking about the pit and they're saying that he fell in and and Andy's getting all like sassy saying like oh <laughs> that doesn't paint a great picture of me like I didn't just fall in like tell him it was rainy and dark at night like whatever and then he starts like flailing around it's so funny again you guys you gotta look this up this one actually I know I'm saying to look all of them up but this one is so funny because like his legs are obviously bound together and so he's trying to like flail around um but getting back to that, I just think it's such an interesting choice beca- and, a, and a good choice, I think, because if that was to be the first scene of the episode, I think it would have just changed the whole story. I think the whole show uh, would have been about the pit, and it's not. It's about yeah, the focus Mark and would Rec be different. And Anne and Leslie, you know, like I think right. that is was really cool. 
Yeah, I, I think they made a good choice there as well. I think it would have shifted the focus completely. Um, we'd be more mm-hmm. focused on Anne and Andy than I think Leslie as well. Yeah. So um, I'm glad they started it the way they did, and then the pit kind of comes in later. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, speaking okay. of, do you happen to know where the pit is? Because that was my yes, like, main uh, question. Oh, my God. Yes, I do. I will tell Yay. you, girl. Okay, so the Sullivan Street Pit is what the official name is, uh, and the it is on the southeast corner of Hazeltine Avenue and Collins Street. This is in Van Nuys, California. That's also, Van Nuys is also where the office was shot, um, so if you guys want to take a little tour of the office in Parks and Rec, Van Nuys is where a lot of these houses were, um, and it was behind the scenes again moment that this pit was a hundred percent real they the uh production rented out a construction like uh all these construction tools and what is the word i'm looking for not a bulldozer the scooper thing oh Oh is that a bulldozer no no it's some (laughs) sort of like crane thing i don't 100 percent know and if I'm going to be honest with you, if I was going to give you a name, I would probably fuck up and give you the name of the character from Bob the Builder. <laughs> oh, my God. So What's that character? I I think it's... Digger. <laughs> it might be Lofty. That Lofty is so funny. Lofty and Wendy join the crew. Yeah, I think it's Lofty because she comes with <laughs> Wendy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm really that sad. is so funny. I'm going to look that up. Oh, that's amazing. I love yeah. it. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, they rented out. It's called Lofty. <laughs> they, rent- <laughs> they rented out Lofty, you guys, and they dug out a pit. Um, the white garage doors that you see lining the pit, those are real houses, uh, real neighbors. Um, and they actually went around. This was another thing I kind of forgot to mention, but this is a perfect time to say it, is that production, including Mike Schur and Greg Daniels, did a lot of research on real governments, real neighborhoods, real communities to really get a lot of information for, uh, you know, how to kind of structure the story and you know, like we talked about showing both sides of the red tape on the government side and the citizen side, not knowing what that red tape is kind of thing. Um, so they went around and they asked the neighbors what they wanted to want, what they wanted that pit to be or what they would want the pit to be. Uh, and people said condos, grocery stores. A lot of people disagreed. One person <laughs> did say they wanted a park, which was hilarious. There's a lot less people than I would think would want a park. I know. I think it's like... I guess when you see a pit, maybe you don't like that's not the first thing that you think about, maybe, even though it's great. Mm. But anyway, uh, so everyone was really accommodating about shooting on that lot. Um, and yes, it. so again, to repeat, southeast corner of Hazeltine Avenue and Collins Street in Van Nuys, California. So that is where that pit is. I thought that was really interesting. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for, you for asking. And Chris Pratt. We see Chris Pratt. Yes, I interrupted you. (laughs) No, it's good. Um, I think Anne is all of us, though. Right? Mm. She's got such little faith in the government doing anything to fix this. Yes. Like, and I think, especially now, I think she's all of us. Like, regardless of what party you associate yourself with, I think we're all just kind of like, well, yeah, we're going to have to do our own shit because it's not going to get done, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I love April, our introduction to April. Her first line. Yes! I love it is, <laughs> her first line is, yeah, it's so fun. Like when Anne asks, asks her if she likes be- working for the Parks and Rec Is this Department. fun for you? Yeah. 
Yes, so fun. <laughs> there, and then when she goes in, or when Leslie and uh, and April go in, April has this like death stare to camera almost. Well, I say death stare, but it's really just the April stare yeah. to camera when like Leslie's asking how uh, Andy's doing, which is, oh my God, did you hear that sound effect of like when he takes his hand out of his cast and like oh. pops it out and gives it to... Leslie to shake his hand. It's so gross. Yeah, nasty. It's so nasty. Uh, yeah. He ca- she calls him son, which is also hilarious. Right. His itch stick is so <laughs> gross. Will you pass me my yeah. itch stick? Ugh. Dick. Yeah. Disgusting. Also, this is the first time in, like, you know, just having watched Parks and Rec 800 times and seeing Anne's house all the time. Like, this is the first time that I noticed that the French doors to uh, Anne's bedroom are closed. Okay. Usually they're open and you can see the bed behind it. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that wasn't intentional. That was just something that caught my eye. Yeah. No, I um, I did not notice that. But I have noticed in um, the rest of the episodes in season one that the doors are open. So Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, something that I really have to say, and um, I just keep going back to like Chris Pratt, because this was Chris Pratt before Chris Pratt was Chris Pratt. <laughs> Like, uh, before Jurassic World and before Zero Dark Thirty and all this shit, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, um, but, like, he, I was looking him up and, like, see what he had done before. And he was in quite a quite a few things. But most notably that I noticed was that he was uh, a character called Che on the OC. If any of my 90s babies remember, it was in the season that should not be named because I don't like this season the OC only had two good seasons so sorry but whatever um he was like this hipster wearing like beanie wearing hacky sack playing character and it was really hilarious but anyways so wasn't he mean to Ryan I think so I think like Marissa was like into him or something like this something happened I don't remember which also you guys the OC is on HBO Max PSA uh so go ahead and get on that I've been reliving my high school days yeah i have not rewatched the oc the same amount of times i've rewatched one tree hill so i would not be able to tell you the exact yeah yeah yeah. i got a what a great show dude um speaking of one tree hill hillary no hill no no not hillary um bethany no bethany what's her face bethany oh yeah bethany joy lens yeah she's on like eight hundred thousand uh hallmark movies now because my mom is a huge fan and she's on that. And, like, they do that thing with her that they do with any actor who they know can sing. Like, they just randomly have her sing, like, out of nowhere. And then you're like, oh, I guess she's a singer. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So that was my little side tangent about Chris Pratt and um, high school uh, soap operas. <laughs> I love it. The next thing I was going to say is um, I wanted to list off the basically the 10 million things that Leslie wants in the park. Yes. Okay. Because um, we go out to the pit and she's like, you know, daydreaming about what this could look like. And I honestly feel like this is where you and I are both Leslie. We both have this quality that we see the potential in something and we're like, oh my gosh, the 5 million things we could do with this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like we both, like, we can relate relate with that for sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I also but love that she's wearing her hat already, like the construction yes, hat, when like hat. they're not even doing anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, at 13 minutes, 50 seconds, if anybody wants to hear um, Amy Poehler actually list these things, um, that is where this is. But she would like a new playground with a jungle gym, swings, a pool, volleyball courts, basketball courts, tennis courts, 
racquetball courts, regulation football field, amphitheater over there with Shakespeare in the park, which I have two comments about this list. First of all, I'm pretty sure racquetball is something you have to play inside. Hmm. Because I've played racquetball before, and this you you can use the ceiling as part of mm. your, like, like, that doesn't count as the ball hitting the floor. So if you hit it against the wall and it goes up and hits the ceiling, it's still a live ball. So I'm pretty sure it's an indoor sport. Mm. Um, but then also, I don't really know who Leslie thinks lives in Pawnee that would be interested in Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> like, I don't really feel like Shakespeare in the Park relates with their... I know. I feel population. like it would be the same people that are at the um, like the artsy rental, like video rental place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The five people that rent those. Right. With those the weird Japanese that, like, like no sucking candies or whatever the hell. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But I, I thought that was interesting. All the things she wants to fit. Oh, totally. And also the regulation football field. Yeah, that's that's large. How are you fitting everything? <laughs> I mean, that's it's a very large space that she's looking at, but you're not going to fit basketball courts and a regulation football field and then a jungle gym and stuff. Like, no. Right. Agreed. Yeah. No. My question is, why does she go in? Like, why does she want to go into the pit? I don't really understand that. I, I mean, maybe either. just, I don't know. Like, I wonder if she wants to be seen as, like, this warrior that, like, okay, the civilian did it. I'm going to go, like, a king would mm. go into battle. Like, maybe. I'm going to go into this pit. But it doesn't make sense. The stunt lady, though, that falls into the pit for Amy Poehler did so well, though. I really like she was like, you know, head over heels for sure. It yeah, it was so well done, like so exaggerated. I think exactly like Leslie's character, you know, would fall. I think it, it was very well done. There is a deleted scene at Anne's house uh, and Tom is asking Anne what kind of nurse she is. And she says that she's a general nurse, but she preps for image tests, which is an interesting um you know, trivia. And she, oh my God, it's so gross. Again, it's Tom skis alert where Tom asks if she shaves a lot of wieners and he keeps being skeezy and saying like, I can't remember. He said something about his, like his gums bleeding, like when he brushes his teeth and he's like, do you think it's anything serious? And she was like, because he's being so skeezy, she's like, yeah, you know, you might have cancer of the tooth enamel because that's a real thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that, Anne. Thank you for shutting him up. Seriously. Oh, yeah, somebody needs to put him in his, in his place, and I think Anne does a good job of that most of the time. Yeah, totally. I also like that this kind of, like, when they go back into the house, that this is really, like, a long line of uh, Anne helping Leslie, like, fix all of her physical ailments and, like, kind of waiting on her a little bit again. Are pancakes being made? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that Andy says it is so annoying, like, oh, um, are you going to the kitchen? Can you just make me pancakes real quick? Just like it's bringing him a bag of chips or something. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. I like, I. that's the one thing in this first season that I can't get over with Andy is like, he totally exploits the fact that his girlfriend's trying to take care of him. Right? Like, you know, right. I've made pancakes before. That's like, that's like a 20 minute process of making the batter, then cooking them, you know, like uh-huh. it's not like, Hey, just bring me that real quick. You know, like you're right. Right. But it is funny yeah. that Leslie kind of jumps on that train. She's like, I'll eat pancakes. Yes. I laughed out loud when Leslie says under her breath, well, honestly, my clavicle's broken. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and you do it so well too. Like it sounds almost exactly like her. She does it. She <laughs> presents it very, very well, like subtly. Where, like, Anne might not be able to almost hear it, but that we can still hear it, you know? Yeah. 
It's yeah, perfect. yeah, yeah. And this is definitely Leslie being, you know, her uh, overdramatic self of thinking that her collarbone clavicle thing is broken. And she's like, uh, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it reminds me very highly of the week that I've just gone through of my brother and my boyfriend being like, I'm dying. I'm like, right. you're not, though. I know. You're fine. <laughs> yes, they were sick, just so everyone knows. Yeah. But yeah, I understand. <laughs> they were sick. Yeah. But no, I think that's like a, that's a whole nother story. But I think guys typically play into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So my mom has warned me of that my whole life. She's like, your brother and your dad are always so like, I'm dying. And then <laughs> like my mom would still go to work and everything when she is sick and everything. But it's just funny. Totally. <laughs> yep. 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 Females run the world. Run um, the world. There is this. <laughs> there is this really, really sweet scene after Anne helps Leslie. Um like after falling in the pit where Leslie is like, you know, Hey, would you ever want to come by the parks department? I'll show you around and like, I'll get you a parking spot open, like right in front. If you just give me a two hour warning, it's just so sweet because I think that it kind of explains a little bit more of number one, Leslie's personality wanting to be friends. But number two, that Anne is really receptive to that. Um, and I don't think it's mm. not showing that Anne has a lot of like girlfriends to connect with anyway. And maybe I'm just reading too deep into that, but I think it really shows each of their respective personalities and like the meshing of that. But also it kind of uh, explains to me a little bit like why Anne is always at the parks department, I feel like because Leslie initially invited her, you know, because I feel like there's always at least for me in the in the following episodes, especially in later seasons where I'm like, doesn't Anne have like have a job? Like, <laughs> how does this work? Um <laughs> So I thought that was funny, but there's also a deleted scene, very weird, I'm very glad that they cut it, where um, Leslie says that she kind of thought Anne was a bitch at first, but then she doesn't want to use the word bitch, so she says bitchy, and then she was like, Anne, you know, it never hurts to know a hot nurse, but like... And then she says, um, but I wouldn't say we're best friends, but we're already extremely close, which again, first of all, shows Leslie's personality in that line. But like the rest of the line is so like pokey and like just kind of mean and does not it does not coincide with their relationship. So I'm really glad that they cut that. No. Yeah. I don't think that that's representative of them as less of Leslie as a person, but then also as their friendship. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad they took that out and left it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like they never, cause first, well, I mean like Leslie never uses her as a quote unquote hot nurse, like no. at, to her advantage. And she also would never call Anna a bitch. I don't feel so she hates no. that word, but so, but anyway, uh, I'm definitely back at, um, city hall if you are. Yeah, and I think that information you had about Leslie inviting Anne kind of sets this up, right? Because Anne is coming here to to visit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Parks and Rec Department to visit City Hall. <laughs> I also love this elaborateness of the neck pillow contraption that Leslie has created. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, it's so um, innovative. <laughs> it is. It's very innovative. And it's, uh, I mean, and she's using it to get what she wants, right? Right. She's using it to like say, hey, this is a huge problem. I've I've fallen in here like you need to do something about it kind of with Ron. Right. Which this brings me to my favorite line. And I have a feeling that like moving forward, a lot of my favorite lines are going to be Ron Swanson lines Mm -hmm. just because they're fabulous. Um, But there's this line of him explaining how well run Chuck E. Cheese is compared to the government, (laughs) which is just hilarious. And Then he ends his line or his little rant with, I would rather work for Chuck E. Cheese. And I love that line so much. (laughs) 
I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. Yeah, it's really funny. I think it's interesting because you can see how Leslie kind of, not changes, but like mm. almost transforms him a little bit more into caring. But something that I thought was really interesting, and I like that they have this in the first season for sure, is that you know, going back to them, the production, actually interviewing people and basing all these characters on real people, I thought it was really fascinating because they said they actually did interview someone at one of the city halls, either in L.A. or just like in the California area, Southern California area, and they asked this person, was it believable that this character that they were going to have uh, is, you know, not going to believe in government. And the lady was like, that they were interviewing was like, oh, yeah, like that's totally relatable because I'm actually a libertarian. And you're just like, what? So this was kind of That's like. That's crazy that we actually have people like working in the government that don't like believe in it. And I know. You know. It's wild. I just like, why would you spend your time there? I don't know. I can't get my mind around it. But maybe if anyone can shed some light on that, you can send us a message or something. I don't yes. Know. <laughs> if you are a libertarian working in your local government, it'd be very fascinating mm-hmm. to find out. Definitely. Yeah. Love that. But I love this uh, dynamic between Ron and Leslie. It's so cute and so um, perfect for like what we see in later seasons where like they do that like whole cut scene, jump scene situation where like she just keeps coming into his office. Like, can we do the committee? Can we do the committee? Can we do it? (laughs) You know? Yes. I love that so much. Um, I think I've told you this, but that reminds me so much. If you guys have not like mm, social media stalked Holly at any point, you should. And like specifically her artist page and stuff, because she has like a comedy reel on there. And the editing is so similar to me that like, I actually, when I was watching that scene, I was picturing you and like the comedic reel you put out just because the (laughs) editing I think was so similar. That's so sweet. That means like the world to me. (laughs) But no, like, I think that's so wild that you say that because that's like legit where I get all of my inspiration from for editing. Cause like mm. all of these, it's all about the timing and, um, and just like how they make everything so quick. It's just quick cuts and it does, it's just, oh, it just adds so much comedy. It's amazing. I love the editing in this. Yeah. It's very well done. But thank you. That means so much to me. Yay. Well, it did remind me of you. So good job. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Um, all right. What do you have next? Well, I have that I hate that Tom sends pictures of Leslie falling into the pit and forwards it to everyone saying, hilarious, please forward. So annoying and so mean. I, yeah. I'm like, the balls on this guy. I could never do that to my boss. So rude. Like, and I don't know if she's just not harsh enough on them or if he's just a dick. You know? Yeah. I think it, maybe it's a little bit of both because I do think that Leslie kind of sees Tom as like a, you know, as a colleague. But like... Mm-hmm. He's her boss. Or she's his boss, you know? Right. So, I don't know, whatever. But yeah, it's a little Also, that was a fun nugget that she's been here for six years. She mentions that. So, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, this is when Anne shows up, right? Yes. Perfect. Um, and she's showing these mur- murals that we're going to become very, very much in love with. Uh-huh. Of the history of Pawnee that have just created, basically, Parks and Rec. It's a huge part of Parks and Rec. Um, and she's showing this picture. She's like, well, we had to cover it up cause it's a little too gory for like, you know, people to see. And they, right. they literally cover it with the most boring poster ever. You couldn't have like picked just colored paper and put it up, but it's, it looks like one of those, like we have them at the restaurant where it shows you basically how your taxes are being deducted and stuff. You know, it's for the employees to understand or like one of the Mm. things that's like, if you're sick and feeling these symptoms, don't come into work or whatever. It reminds me of one of those posters. And it's like, could you have picked a more boring poster? 
seriously. I know. Well, and what's funny is that in the commentary, these huge mur- murals, these huge murals in City Hall are based off of real uh, City Halls, like all over America, especially Midwest City Halls. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was funny is that Bill Hader actually called either Mike Schur or Greg Daniels. Which side note, we'll talk about this a lot, but. Um, Greg Daniels and Mike Schur both uh, worked on SNL, and there are a lot of SNL crossovers. But Bill Hader called one of those guys after they, um, like after they shot this scene already, and Bill said that he got married in Idaho, and they had to cover up the murals there, be- like at the city hall in Idaho, because the uh, murals were just so shocking and like disgusting and gruesome and gory and i was like i cannot believe that that's a real thing i mean i can now that you say it out loud like obviously but like i just would not have like thought about that so that is based on truth that's crazy that there are murals up like that anywhere in our country i mean i can understand because of the state we're still in but like still i know i know and then they're having also this meeting, which I, I think that we do mention this term later on, but like they are having a meeting, which explains a little bit more uh, also of why Anne is there, because they're having a committee meeting and they say that they'll have those meetings and plans on days when Anne is off. But mm-hmm. Anne comes up with the term for the committee um, of pit beautification, which I thought was really lovely. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, and this this is like right after, right? Once. Yeah. Tom is running down the hallway. <laughs> Which, LOL, at the comedy timing of him running um, and then stopping and then speaking. <laughs> right. Like, he can't tell her what's happening as he runs down the hallway. He, like, runs and then stops once he gets to them and then announces that they've gotten their committee. Right. right. And that's after Mark has, has cashed in his favor with. Ron. Right, which so we're what seeing is more of that? that oh my god, I it drives I me crazy. And I don't think we ever know. No, we don't. Yeah, I don't think we ever know. <sighs> it's sad. Yeah, but it's annoying to not know. But that is a very interesting like nugget that like you know, as much as we kind of think Mark is a little bit of a skis um now and in future episodes, like he really came through for Leslie because he used his mm-hmm. one favor that he probably could have used on some other stuff that he cared more about to get this park right. started. So um I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I think we do find that Mark does like it's not romantic necessarily, but he does have a sweet spot for Leslie and he does care about her as a friend yeah. for sure. So, yeah, yeah, but totally. This this was in- interesting information for me because I think we, I mean, I had some sort of semblance of what age she could be, but she shares that she's 34 years old now. So we get that. Love that. Yeah. That is, I know that sounds really silly, but I love that she's not like a 20 year old just starting out. Like she's worked in this business. She's like getting started. Right. Um, and by, I mean, not getting started. That's that poor choice of words because she's already started. But like she is progressing. Is right. What I mean she's to getting say. her break. And yeah. 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 Which is great. I think that's good timing. It, you know, we're getting to see a more seasoned character, you know, like that stuff doesn't always come right when you come out of college, which totally. is accurate for those of you that are in college. <laughs> right. Things don't just happen. Exactly. I do love also that this is like kind of where the uh where her and Anne like have those kind of like drunken talking heads a little bit um and where they really start their adventures and kind of like bouncing off of each other I think this is their first talking head together which is really monumental um they fit Mm -hmm. so much into this pilot by the way I feel like to really set up what we're about to see I also love that line um it's so naive 
to us, uh, but it's, it's only naive to us now because I think we see this happening for a long time in the se- in the series. But I wonder if they meant for it to be um, very naive to the audience in general, just the way she says it, where she says, like, I'm willing to work on this as much as possible, even if it takes two months. And we're like, yeah. oh, no, oh, honey. sweetie. <laughs> Yeah, especially those of us who have seen the entire series. You're like, oh. Right. That's not going to happen. But yeah, and there was also so many um, improvising moments again with the C's uh, or Tom's character telling like how Leslie acts when she's drunk. Mm. Like he made up a lot of those things, which was really funny. And then I uh, I do like also where Rashida and Leslie's or Rashida and Leslie, I mean Rashida and Amy Poehler or Anne and Leslie's talking heads, they got more tipsy, like the more takes they did. So they they used a little bit more of the takes that they did at the end of the day because it showed like, you know, them drinking all the champagne and stuff, which was really funny. Right. That's great. Were they actually drinking alcohol? They didn't say, but I don't think they were. That's not um, at no. least... They didn't talk about it, but um, usually on sets for, for champagne or, like, wine or whiskey or whatever, it's not actually alcohol. That'd be great right. if it was, but I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> they were acting. Probably, did, like, sparkling apple juice. Right, exactly. And they were acting. I mean, they did say in the commentary, you know, they say they were acting more tipsy. So I think, I don't think it was actually mm. champagne. Okay. They were just kind of getting kind of more into it. Exactly. Exactly. They were, like, feeling it out and really, like, getting each- into the character, getting grounded. Right. I like that Ron has that hint asking the camera crew if they got a grant to do this. Yes. And that is, that's when he, is that when he's, um, he's showing them their office, his uh-huh. office in the closing, which we need to track this because these are not the things he has up in his office. Yes. Right? Uh, good point. So there's this poster of the, um, the coach, the Indiana University coach, Bobby Knight. Yes. Bobby Knight. Um, and that's not up forever. But I don't know. Does it only last this first episode, or maybe it makes it through the whole first season? Or we'll have to see. Yeah, we're definitely gonna be yeah. tracking that because I guess at this point he didn't care about brunettes making breakfast or whatever because he has that picture. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, this is. I thought this was really cool too because this is like totally Mike Sherry and Greg Daniels' bag, like making this environment of wherever they're shooting like such a uh, well-rounded, you know. Uh, ecosystem if you will like mm-hmm. you know Andy earlier was wearing his Indiana shirt they've got the Bobby Knight they've got the Larry Bird thing they you know have the bison and all that stuff that they well they don't talk about it but they show it I mean just like like we talked about in the office too where you know like in Scranton they had menus from Scranton they had they talked about Froggy 101 like this is really them creating the specific mm-hmm. or the specificity of where they are, which I love because there's a lot of shows that are like, you know, anywhere USA, which I get the point of that, but I think it makes it even more relatable if you can kind of narrow it down to a specific place. Now, uh, that being said, I will say Pawnee is fictional. There is a Pawnee like city, uh, but it's not like a city city. Mm-hmm. The closest, I think, like real thing that we talk about uh, is Muncie, right. Indiana. So anyways, um, the last thing that I've got is that the DVD picture, and this is not really about like the show uh, scenes, but the DVD picture of season one is um, Leslie, Ann, and Tom. So I think what, w- I, what was interesting to me is that Tom, I think, is painted in this first season as a lead, more of a lead character. Not, not saying that he isn't, but I think that they were painting him more, uh, I guess, 
prominent than we might think. Right. Then he ends up being kind of in the later seasons. Yeah, exactly. Because I think April and Andy take more of a step forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the the other thing I wanted to say about how you said that they're just really good at rounding out a city and making it feel like it's a cohesive place. I think that explains kind of why when I'm feeling homesick or if I just need something familiar, I put on The Office or I put on Parks and Rec because it feels like home. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job of making you like you know where they you know where you are. Yeah. Right. So you're comfortable. And I think that's a beautiful thing about it as well. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that I mean, not to relate it so much to this, um, but there's so many parallels to songwriting, I feel, with with uh, TV film, because like that's what they say about songwriting, too. Like the more specific you get, the more people can relate to it, even if they can't relate to that mm-hmm. specific um, like line about your, you know, hometown or your like pair of scissors that you use every day okay that's a stupid example but like (laughs) but like someone (laughs) someone can relate to it more so than it being generic you know which I think is really interesting right yeah for sure well that's all the notes I have on our first episode (laughs) my god okay parks and rec (laughs) okay the very last thing I have is that in that uh end card at the end that Mm -hmm. says deedle d that's greg's son did that picture i thought that was really funny greg daniels um the creator which you'll also see in the office if you've watched that but his son did that which i thought was really cute yeah he's also in space force oh yeah 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 yeah. so he uses his kids but oh my god that's all i have too first episode of park pals you guys i think we did it Oh my god. Uh, if you have anything that you'd like us to Google or whatever um, or ask or reach out to anyone, please let mm-hmm. us know. We have an email set up, which is super exciting. It's uh, Park Pals Podcast, uh, Park Pals plural podcast yeah. uh, at gmail.com. I have no shame in reaching out to people, as you can tell from me reaching out to Gabby Marino. So um, I really hope to reach out to more people. I really want to talk to the costume designer <laughs> also, mm, yeah. which is random. Oh, my but gosh. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so I'm going to talk to some people. Hopefully we'll get enough traction. This is really going to be up to the fans, honestly, because hopefully right. we'll like become more well-known. And then the costume designer will have heard about us and be like, oh, OK, I'll go on your podcast or at least maybe they'll email us back i don't even care how we talk to them i just want to talk to them so um anyways well thank you guys so much for listening and uh yeah we'll see you next week see you next week there's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too okay Ladies and gents, so this is where we do our little therapy portion. Um, now, you'll notice that, or you may or may not notice, who knows, but I'm, we're just going to be completely authentic and transparent with you. Um, yep. <laughs> that um, that uh, in, in later episodes, you'll probably hear the therapy part first because we were kind of getting our groove, and then we realized that doing the therapy part after would be really cool um, as well. But um, we've got some, like, illnesses and things happening. Um, it's not like crazy but you know we do want to get rest in for Maddie because she's starting to feel bad and I don't want um, anything to go into um, making that worse so this is where you'll hear us talk about (laughs) our lives Um, do you want to like say anything about what has been happening this past week Maddie or do you not want to share that doesn't matter at all I can I can share and then also um, anybody who feels the need or wants to share anything with us or wants it like advice for anything or just needs to tell somebody something because sometimes you just need to rant at somebody send us an email or email us a voice memo of you like 
and you know obviously if we were going to put it in the podcast we would get your permission first but like yeah. we honestly just are people that like to talk to each other about what's going on and we like to support each other and we want to do that for you guys too so um and so healthy to do that yeah. by the way don't hold it in you guys yeah def- definitely not and i know therapy is expensive so use us <laughs> yeah we love it yeah so yeah the, this past week well i mean so i officially am no longer a teacher um boop, 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 boop. you will hear in later podcasts that i am um i quit my job so you kind of get to hear my process of me not <laughs> being happy and me being pushed to the limit and me feeling like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then you hear eventually that I got a new job. So you get to follow that journey along with us. And I'm very happy to be sharing that. So that was kind of the big deal this week was I got I got to say goodbye to all my kids, um, not in person, obviously, over the um over video and whatnot, which was it was nice to kind of get that closure. And there were some kids that were just really sweet. Because I'm going to get to go back to therapy and work with kids with autism again, which is really what I feel like one of my big callings is. And um, I told a kid that and he was like, well, I'm just really happy that those kids are going to have you. And I was like, that's the sweetest Aww, thing I've ever heard. That's so sweet. Life. Yeah. And he has a little brother with autism. So I think he just is a little bit more in tune with that than some of the other kids. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that that was emotional this week. But on top of still teaching this past week, I also had my brother and my boyfriend sick. Um, so mm. uh, my boyfriend and I and his brothers own a restaurant together. And so we unfortunately had to close the restaurant down. According to a doctor, uh, they both had COVID. So that's, Ugh. I mean, I'm on honestly, I've kind of just accepted that I have it too. Just because we, uh, yeah. my brother lives with us. And we're not fancy or anything. We live in a pretty small apartment. So we breathe the same air. We share the same kitchen and the same bathroom and everything. So um, I'm pretty sure um, they're both kind of recovering. But um, this morning I slept. I slept really long last night. And then I slept like two more hours later in the mm-hmm. morning. And uh, I just like, you know, that feeling you get in the back of your neck when you're starting to feel sick. You know, yes. the muscles are really achy and my throat's starting to really bother me. So, um, yeah, I could just be getting delayed symptoms or it could be psychological. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm just happy that they're kind of, you know, they were my my boyfriend, especially was bedridden for several days, like wasn't really getting Ugh. up or anything. So it's just nice to see them full of life again. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it sounds like you feel better after you sleep. So I'm just hoping that a good night's sleep and maybe lots mm-hmm. of naps this upcoming week will be very helpful. Yeah. And I, I think I'm very lucky. I don't, I must've been a God thing, I guess that like, I felt, I felt the need to quit my job two weeks before my new job started. Um, right. Right. And that typically is because I just, I think I run myself into the ground a lot. And so I think I was like, listen, you're going to give yourself two weeks to just work at the restaurant and not work at the school before you go start your new job. And then we ended up having to close down. And so this week I literally have nothing. And I think that was just a godsend that that is kind of how it's ending up. So, um, yeah, Yeah, if that's an option also, I mean, so many people I know have done that. And I think it's the smartest thing. Like when you're leaving one job to go to another, I've never done it because I'm crazy, I feel. And (laughs) I just don't think about it, but it's nice to have at least a couple days in between jobs, you know? Yeah. To like yeah. get your shit together and maybe like have a nice transitional moment, but yeah. Yeah. And I think it don't I think it'll be good, especially like I think this past week was like emotionally and mentally taxing and 
Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, it'll just be nice to just have a week to not do anything. And um, so, yeah. But what about you, Holly? What is going on with you this past week? Honestly, nothing crazy. Um, I w- just want to close out this um, this moment with um, an MLK quote that mm, is one of my most yes. faves. Um, MLK Day is tomorrow, so there is that. And I uh, just hope that we all take uh, that day off if you've got it um, and realize what it is. And also just reminder that it's very interesting the light that he is in now because um, something that I kind of learned over the last year, like way too recently, I feel, was that like during his time, and it makes sense obviously, but like during, I think it was his daughter, granddaughter, somebody that came out and was like, yo, during his time, MLK, like was not regarded as what he is now. Like people thought that he was like crazy and we like, they didn't want to, you know, obviously the people that marched with him, you know, knew that he was brilliant and prolific and everything. But like so many people were like, you know, this guy is crazy and you know, he's just not, he was taken for granted Mm -hmm. is what I guess I'll say. But, um, in light of everything that has transpired now, um, for those of you listening, like the Capitol, um, was overtaken and all that stuff. And I'm just not even going to get into it, but I just want to leave us with this quote Mm -hmm. and you all know it, but, um, it's darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Mm -hmm. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And MLK said that. Um, And I think that that's just really something to maybe meditate on that, you know, we can't fight fire with fire, um, but we can fight with gusto (laughs) and with, um, you know, determination. But this the same of more of the same is not what's going to solve this. So be safe out there. We um, we're sending peace and joy and love to all. (laughs) And I laughed at that, but I'm serious. So, um, so yeah. And um, just like care about your fellow person. That's all I have to say. Agreed. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in again. Let us know if you have any questions uh, or if you just want to talk and um, follow us on Instagram and uh, thank you again. Yeah, we did it. See you next week. See you next week. There's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too.